Jeff Burke nailed it when he wrote today, quote, These multi-generations are exposed to the exact same scam every four or so years and have seen Ebola, H1N1, swine flu, Zika virus, MERS, bird flu, Asian flu, and SARS come and go, none of which shut down the world and none of which have a license. Human-tested vaccine, despite the years of development, unquote. You know, but because the people are so simple-minded, they don't notice and they don't care. They naively continue to take part in the indoctrination experiment executed by Big Pharma, Big Tech, and the political establishment until finally, after 100 years of programming, they're so dumbed down that they choose a senile golden ager to lead the USSA, identifying him as the most intelligent person in the land. They report neighbors for drinking alcohol after dark but don't ask why there's no biohazard bins for used masks and gloves and the COVIDs so deadly. They embrace the Great Reset with open arms, actively and eagerly anticipating the vaccine for a virus that technically does not exist, save other than the flu. But drug pushers who are not liable for any side effects, including death. And they mutely accept that for some reason, which is universally accepted, the vaccination does not mean that you can take off your mask and have free movement because, quote, you must still protect those who would be compromised by the vaccine and are thus vulnerable to your COVID's germs, unquote. They usually agree that the vaccination is no good without surveillance tracking on your body, your kids, your browser, and your bank account. This is not a movie. And there will not be a happy ending. What we have are sheeple, and they are sheepwalking. They are asleep in their utopian world, thinking that everything should be freely given to them, and that they're entitled to whatever freebie that they can get, whether they kill another human being to acquire that freebie, or whether the government gives it to them off the backs of honest American citizens. Let's move on. Here's my opinion of the real reason why the liberal media hate the conservative satire site, you know, the Babylonian Bee. It's not because they distribute fake news. That's their job, just like The Onion. It's because their fake news contains so much more truth than the real news outlets do. And they don't mean like using humor to convey the truth. I mean, they have already hilariously nailed the Eric Solwell Chinese spy story while the mainstream news News outlets have not even reported it yet, but that does not include the New York Times. On Tuesday, Joe Biden traveled to Georgia to give a speech promoting Democrat Senate candidates John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock. Interestingly, both Biden and Ossoff inadvertently made the case for re-electing Senators Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue. Thank you. That's exactly the point that I've been trying to drive home for weeks, considering their agenda includes 
open borders, high taxes, more regulations, endless shutdowns, kowtowing to China, confiscating our guns from law-abiding citizens while releasing criminals from prison and defunding the police. Those are their words. Those quotes alone should set anyone who cares about America's future running to the polls to vote for Lover and Purdue. Did you know that Biden, in one of his speeches, said that he is going to reopen the nuclear arms deals with Iran? And did you know that he said that he wants to do a treaty with Islam? Now, on a side note, when Biden said that the votes were counted and counted and counted again, I do not think that he realized that that could be taken two ways. After the electors awarded creepy Joe Biden 306 votes, Biden made his first public address on live stream. So as long as people are listening statistical anomalies about this election, here's one more. How come the most popular candidate in the history of America, who allegedly drew 8 million votes for president, gave his first speech as president-elect, and it only drew 52,000 viewers? I mean, where's all this supposed support for Creepy Joe? Let's see. What new election aftermath stories are the mainstream media refusing to cover? It's hard to understand why we're still talking about this. Many people think right or wrong, that the election is a done deal. They cannot be more wrong. That even if Trump really won, the government will not touch it, and it is too late. But a great deal has been uncovered by the key date of January 6, 2021, and a great deal already has been. On January 6th, Congress can and should reject all electoral college votes that are found to be based on fraud, and or error. If they do not, we will never be able to trust another election. And we already know, never trust a politician. But it might not come to that. There are several cases still up for consideration by the Supreme Court, but the justices wimped out so spectacularly on the Texas suit that I'm not going to hold my breath for them to come to reality now. But still, if they honestly care about their co-equal role with the legislative and executive branches, they need to step up. Otherwise, our supposedly balanced government becomes a two-legged school. If SCOTUS fails, Congress must grow a spine. Just because electors voted on Monday does not mean that the process is over. That's just one step and then there's more. The founders seem to have thought of everything. And here, here's how it might go as laid out in the Constitution. During their joint session on January 6th, the President of the Senate shall call for objections, if any, and the certificate from each state is read. Any such objection must be presented in writing and must be signed by at least one senator and one representative. And surprising, the particular senator and representative who signed do not have to be from the same state in question. I'll bet that uh, Texas will be happy to step up. The objection shall state clearly and concisely and without argument the ground thereof. If this happens, the joint session is suspended and House and Senate meet separately to consider the objection and decide whether to count the votes in question. 
Total debate is limited to two hours. Each member may speak just once for five minutes. The House votes separately by roll call. And as you're aware, if no candidate for president receives a majority of electoral votes during this time, the election is decided in the House, where each state has one vote. And counting that way, Republicans actually have more votes in the House. The vote for vice president happens in the Senate, maybe because the vice president presides there. Republicans have more votes there as well. A former Ohio Secretary of State advised Trump to not concede but rather to continue challenging the validity of Biden electors and contest, contested states. Ken Blackwell stated, quote, I think this is going to be prosecuted at least through January 6th, unquote. Texas electors have already passed a resolution 34 to 4, urging lawmakers in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Georgia to appoint new electors for their states, citing election fraud that undermines votes cast for Trump in Texas and elsewhere. And this is the same argument that was rejected by the Supreme Court. The resolution is non-binding, but it does send a message to the rest of the states to stand up for crying out loud. Stop sheep walking. I reported in the past that a forensic examination of Dominion machines in Antrim County, Michigan, determined that there have been intentionally programmed to produce high numbers of tabulation errors and also that their computer logs for the three-day period surrounding the election day has been removed, rendering the machines inauditable. A Michigan lawyer involved in that case is now saying that he hopes that President Trump will act on this. He said, quote, we hope that we've given him something to go on here based on our investigation, unquote. Attorney Matthew DiPerno said, quote, because if this happened in Antrim County and with these machines, there's 48 other counties in Michigan that use the same machines, and there's hundreds of counties across the country that also use them, unquote. The Wisconsin Supreme Court Chief Justice Patience Drake Roggensack, in a powerful dissent from her court's 4-3 ruling against the Trump challenge, said, quote, A significant portion of the public does not believe that the November 3, 2020 presidential election was fairly conducted. Once again, Four justices on this court cannot be bothered with addressing what the statutes require to assure that absentee ballots are lawfully cast. She said the problems would be repeated again and again until this court has the courage to correct them, unquote. In Wisconsin, the clerks had essential created their own system of voting contrary to state law. Okay, for example using those illegal drop boxes. Justice Annette Kingsland Ziegler, also dissenting, said the court's decision was, quote, doomed to create chaos, chaos, uncertainty, undermine confidence, and spawn needless litigation. This is not the rule of law. It is the rule of judicial activism through inaction, unquote. And the sheepwalkers accept the false creepy Joe illegal victory. The story notes that Republican state, legislat state legislatures refuse to accept the ruling of the Wisconsin Supreme Court and have selected their own slate of electors. Director of the National Intelligence, John Ratcliffe, is still expected to file a report on Friday pursuant to pres President Trump's 2018 executive order on imposing certain sanction in the event of 
foreign interference in a United States election. We're not sure what they've seen, but the NOQ report expects this, quote, identify and document China as primary perpetrator and Iran as secondary for having committed covert acts to change election results against Trump in favor of Biden, unquote. The action President Trump might take at that point is not known. But we do know that if there is compelling evidence, for example, that China or Iran or any other country hacked Dominion machines, Trump has the authority to impound them all, and certainly those under scrutiny in Michigan. So now Michigan legislators are finally concerned about possible evidence tampering, and their oversight committees have voted to issue subpoenas to Detroit and nearby suburb Livonia, demanding their hard drives, emails, absentee voter counting board laptops, and other election-related materials. They would not be doing this unless there's probably something to find. And finally, statistical analysis, who love a challenge, have been digging even deeper to see if the official vote for Biden could have happened or not. And they're saying not, so the fight goes on. Democrats are trying to steamroll their way to January 20th for the good of the country. But for the good of the country, we cannot just lie down in their path and pray for a quick end. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Around the Campfire with Kate. The introduction music is by Dave Bray and Jeremy Harrell. So go on over to YouTube and check out Dave Bray's patriotic music. Tonight, I'm going to touch on some more news and what's really happening in our nation. And then I'm going to touch on how to prepare one version of a get-out-of-dodge-go-bag. This is a call-in show through Skype only, so if you want to make a statement, ask a question, or just give your opinion, please feel free. You can call in using Skype through PSN Radio. Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson's Homeland Security Committee hearing on election irregularities held on Wednesday promised compelling testimony, and they certainly brought it. For Senator Johnson, this is about regaining public trust, which obviously has been shattered. Quote, the fact that our last two presidential elections have not been accepted as legitimate by large percentages of the American people is a serious problem that threatens our republic. Unquote. He said in his opening statement, he blamed in part today's climate of hyperpartisanship, which is only exacerbated by the persistent efforts to de- delegitimize the results of the 2016 election. Referring to the Russian collusion hoax, he also noted that the ongoing suppression and censorship of the conversation perspective by biased media and social media adds fuel. To the flames. But listening to this yesterday, I did notice that the discussion we are having about the 2020 election has changed. Remember when election fraud was supposed to supposedly so rare we hardly ever heard any cases of it? Why there's no evidence? Nothing like that's happening. And we're not supposed to say it ever had, let alone that it might have changed the outcome. Now, after hearing firsthand accounts from witness after witness about what they saw, the discussion has become, well, sure, there's always going to be a certain level of fraud, but the question is, was it enough fraud 
to change the outcome. Yes, they actually said that. And that was the question Senator Johnson asked in his opening statement. We are now dickering over the level of the fraud. It sounds as if we're acknowledging that our country is unwell because of a very unhealthy lifestyle. And now we need to determine if continuing on this track is bad enough to kill the patient. I hope that at some point in the future, historians are not asking the question at the patient's autopsy. To continue the analogy, the patient's tests, which would be the polls, say that it's serious. About 70% of Republicans do not believe that the election was free and fair, and even many Democrats see problems, although their level of trust in creepy Biden's win is going up. This is from watching way too much CNN. Sorry, guys. Yes, this patient is very sick and needs a huge lifestyle change, as in accountability and reform of the process. If you count unconstitutional rule changes that made large-scale fraud and error as easy, the answer to Senator Johnson's question would be, yes, the level was very high. If you want proof, just look at the testimony from Trump's attorney, Jesse Banal, about what happened in Nevada as a result of widespread mail-in voting. This would be something to share with your doubting friends. The courts have had their own blasted reasons for refusing to look at the rule changes, but that does not mean the election was not affected by them. It simply means that the the judiciary did not want to be involved, and then they found ways not to be. Democrats at the hearing most likely knocked the idea of being there, saying election changes are not good for the country, as if steamrolling towards an outcome that so many Americans do not trust were good for the country. The ranking Democrat on the committee, Michigan Senator Gary Peters, said that the current legal challenges to the election results, quote, undermine the will of the people, disenfranchise voters, and sow the seed of mistrust, unquote. You think, Senator Peters? Oh, sorry, probably not often. I would point out that ignoring the glaring problems we've seen will cause precisely that kind of damage. Democrats expressed concern about mail-in ballots and Dominion voting machines when they thought these political problems were for them. Now that they've almost managed to drag creepy Joe Biden over the finish line, they want to shut down any examination of these factors. Talk about hypocrisy. Senator Johnston Johnson blasted Democrats for the hypocrisy, there you go, of their constant charge of disinformation. Quote, the purveyors of Russian disinformation, Hillary Clinton's campaign, the DNC, the Steele dossier, the ranking member, Peters, accusing Senator Grassi and I of disseminating Russian information. That is where the disinformation is coming from. This hearing today, this is getting information we have to take a look at to restore confidence in our election integrity, unquote. Standing ovation for Senator Johnson. Incidentally, that accusation against him and Senator Grassley 
concerned a report that issued on Biden's foreign business interests, which we all know now is true. And I reported on this in an earlier broadcast as in not disinformation. Senator Rand Paul spoke up as well, saying that, quote, fraud happened and the only way it will be fixed is by the future reinforcing of the laws, unquote. And as I've been saying, the fight is by no means over. GOP electors in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada, and New Mexico have cast alternate slates of votes for Trump on Monday. And the same day, the certified Democrat electors cast their votes. Trump is being supported in this fight by a number of Republicans, notably Missouri Senator Jolly and Alabama Representative Mo Brooks, who is planning to be in that the House member who lodges a challenge to the electoral vote on January 6th. He needs a senator to do this with him. Now, we do not know yet who will step up for this. Among other several possibilities is Senator Rand Paul. But at this broadcast, he's not announced anything yet. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky is not trying to discourage members of his party from challenging the vote on January 6th. The same goes for Texas Senator John Cornyn, who called the idea a grave mistake. He and South Carolina Lindsey Graham are waiting to see how Trump's legal challenges play out. And finally, the Director of National Intelligence, John Ratcliffe, who is expected to release his his report on foreign interference in the election this Friday that I just talked about earlier, He's heard from his office, the ODNI, that, quote, the Intelligence Committee will not be meeting December 18th deadline set by Trump's 2018 executive order 13848. Their announcement said that, quote, a number of agencies have not finished coordinating on the product, unquote. The conclusions in this report will be extremely important. Details about the delay and Trump's options under the executive order are a must-read in the report from the Epic Times. Ratcliffe has been clear about the threat posed by China and also their desire to see Trump out of office. Former acting DNI Rick Grinnell tweeted on yesterday's tweet just prior to this announcement that Ratcliffe, quote, is standing up for career analysts who want their views to be accurately reflected. In other words, fighting to keep intelligence from being politicized, unquote. According to Catherine Harridge at CBS, Ratcliffe said earlier this month that in November 2020, we had election interference from China, Iran, and Russia. Now I want to hit on a subject that most people do not wish to discuss. How the endless lockdowns are not just hurting humans and our businesses, but they're also hurting animals. Zoos and aquariums have been shut down so long that they're worried about making payroll for the caretakers and being able to stay open. Animal rescues are hurting even worse since they depend on donations, fundraising events, and fees from adoptions by people who are not coming in because of COVID. But meanwhile, there are more and more animals being left at shelters because their owner's inability to provide for them. 
It's not just dogs and cats, but birds and other pets. And most rescues are being stretched to the limit to cover for food and vet care. So if you support an animal rescue and have spare cash, I'm sure that they'd be very grateful for any help that you can give. Also, if the green liberals, who seems to have zero compassion for the people being harmed by non-science-based lockdowns, will at least think of the innocent animals harmed, maybe they'll make them rethink their strident support for crushing authoritarianism. On the other hand, in nations where socialism takes over, people often end up eating their zoo animals to survive. That's not shaking their faith in socialism. I'm frequently asked questions on survival and what to put in a get-out-of-dodge-go bag. My answer is usually the same every time. Every person is different in their needs. But the five main things everyone needs to have in their go bags is food, water, fire, shelter, and medications, if warranted. So let's start with fire. That's important in any situation and survival. Not only keeps you warm, but it helps us cook our food, sterilize water. It's also a a morale booster. You can use different forms of fire starting. And I have several different ways in my go bag. The first one is the easiest. A big lighter. I always have at least three big lighters in my pack. And so you're going to laugh at me and you're going to say, wow, you're, you're a survivalist. That's cheating. Is it? Is there cheating in a survival situation? A big lighter will still light in the rain or other wet conditions. It's lightweight. And it's definitely not cheating. I'm not in competition with you to survive. I'm in competition with the elements. I also carry a ferro rod, waterproof matches with cotton balls soaked or dried in wax or petroleum jelly. I also carry a small Altoids tin of kindling that's kept dry inside Ziploc baggies. So on those days it is wet and you cannot find dry wood, even underneath the bark of a tree, I have kindling to start a fire to help dry out some of that wood. So how about food? In one of my go bags, I have two MREs, our military meal ready to eat. That can last me up to three days of food consumption. Yet each person needs to decide what caloric intake they need to survive for a few days. In another pack, I have one package of bear claw soup, two Northside dish packets, and some bags of beef jerky. In another pack, I have a 72-hour Patriot survival food kit. So you don't have to purchase expensive mountain hiking foods to put inside your pack. Use your imagination. What is going to be lightweight, easy to just add water, whether it's heated up or not, 
And what's the caloric intake? Because you're going to be busy walking. You're going to be busy exerting yourself. You need those calories. So let's hit water. I carry Life Straw in one pack and a Sawyer water filter in the other pack. And each pack has a Nalgene bottle on the side of the pack. I also have a small titanium pot with a bale handle for boiling water to place in the Nalgene bottle if I need to. The Sawyer water filter comes with the filter and one or two 32-ounce pouches, depending on the size of the filter that you purchase. I've used the small Sawyer water filter that usually runs around, oh, 20 bucks. But I really don't care for the size. I frequently use the Sawyer squeeze water filtration system because it does not clog like the small one can. That usually runs about $25 each. The Life Straw is a product that is great if you do not want to have access to water to carry. For it's a drinking straw filter that goes straight into your mouth for fluid consumption. And the only way that you can get water into the Nalgene bottle is if you suck the water through the Life Straw and then spit it out in your Nalgene bottle. Well, to me, that's a little gross, but... In a survival situation, you can do it. Shelter. I carry an emergency blanket and not the cheap one that's only three bucks and one time use. But since it's my survival at stake, I like to carry a bare, hard, heavy duty emergency blanket. It can also be an emergency tarp, an insulated blanket thermal waterproof survival space blanket. They usually cost around $22. So if you can afford it, I'd purchase several or one at a time as my pocketbook would allow. This survival blanket is versatile and can be used in so many different ways. I do not understand how someone cannot have a tarp or a survival blanket like this in their pack. I'd rather spend the extra funds on something that I can use over and over again and it be functional for many uses as opposed to the $3 kind that'll fall apart after the first or second use. Now, don't get me wrong. If you can get the $3 one and put it in your pack, that's better than having nothing or you can use the Bearhard heavy-duty emergency blank as a blanket as a as an emergency tarp and then use the three dollar uh, emergency blanket to wrap up of an MB warm and I'll admit I do have a couple in my day pack truck hiking pack or my go bag I not saying do not get them I'm just saying that I would prefer the twenty two dollar one over the three dollar one And medications. Some people need medications, whether you're a diabetic, COPD, or whatever your ailment is. One should have a supply of medications in your pack. At least a seven-day supply. 
one can add a tent or a hiking mountaineering tarp to the pack. One can add a hammock with a tarp. There's so many options out there. So let's not forget that shelter is something that can save a person from the elements. Now let's add a few more things to the pack. A bushcraft knife is one of the most valuable things that you can have in your pack. You may need to chop wood, cut rope, kill, and gut wild game. The list is almost endless of what you need a bushcraft knife for. I have 550 paracord in my pack. This is not your regular paracord that I use. You can go to Amazon or eBay or other places and find 620-pound survivor cord, about 100 foot of it for about $30. That may seem a bit pricey for paracord, but this particular paracord is the original patent, patented Type 2 military 550 paracord with integrated fishing line, multi-purpose wire, and waterproof fire tinder. It's made by Titan Paracord. Why paracord, Kate? It's a great question. I use paracord to tie my food in a tree so the animals cannot get to it. I use it to tie my emergency blanket or tarp to build a shelter. I can use it to tie poles together if I need to build a, a tree shelter. There's so many uses. If your boot strings or your shoestrings break, you have paracord. Now you have a shoestring. If it's been pouring rain and I cannot get the wet wood to light, if I have nothing else but this type of paracord, I can use the waterproof fire tinder to help start a fire and dry out wood to keep the fire going. A rechargeable headlamp is nice. It's bright and ready to use every time. A stainless steel or titanium mess kit with bale handles is a must for cooking food, boiling water, etc. A sleeping bag or a blanket. Some people say, oh my gosh, sleeping bags are so heavy. Not really. You can Nowadays they make sleeping bags that are only three pounds or two pounds. You can get a whoopie. You can get two whoopie blankets and there's just a couple of ounces for those. What's a whoopie? A whoopie is a poncho liner. The military uses them um, they call them whoopee because they say that you will be cold without them. I know that's, that's Kate's humor here. I have two whoobies in one of my packs. If I can put a, an emergency blanket underneath the two whoopee blankets, definitely retains your body heat and you're very comfortable. Always carry an extra pair of wool socks in a waterproof bag. Why? Because even in the say fall, winter, spring, that's the wet and rainy seasons. Having an extra pair of socks when your feet get wet it's very important to keep your feet dry. You can put your dry socks on 
and dry out your wet socks and put them in your pack when they're dry. Carrying a stocking cap or earmuffs, especially in the fall, winter, and early spring months is important. Do you know where the most places are on the human body that loses heat? That would be the back of the neck or the head, the armpits, the groin, the back of the knees, and your feet. These are important places to keep warm during cold months. I carry a pair of thermal underwear to sleep in. If my clothes are wet, I can build a fire near the shelter, get into my thermal underwear, and hang my clothes in my shelter to dry near the fire. Now you can adjust, delete, or add items if, as you need for your pack. But this is about all that I carry in my pack. But what I carry on my person is different. I will not get into that at this point. But having minimal in your go bag. The idea of your go bag is to have it in your vehicle or in your home that if you have to go someplace in a hurry, you have a three-day supply of food. You have food, water, fire, shelter, and with just a few little extras you do not want your, your pack to weigh 70 pounds. You want to get from point A to point B without having so much weight on your back. So remember, what you carry in your pack should be light because the heavier your pack, the more tired you're going to be at the end of the day from carrying your kitchen sink. I carry in my pack of gear all of these items, and I have it in my truck at all times. Um, but Kate, what kind of pack should I get? Well, that's another good question. Some people cannot afford the higher-priced mountaineering packs. I know I'm one. You could pay over $500 and up for a pack that you could have purchased someplace else. It's just as good quality. And I've walked trails with people that have had a $35 Walmart pack or a $100 pack from Amazon. What I would do is I'd go to a place like Cabela's or REI and I'd talk to the associate in the camping pack department and I'd have them fit you for a hiking pack. That doesn't mean that you have to purchase a pack from them. But you can glean valuable information from the hiking department on how to fit a pack to your person. Then you can go out and find yourself a pack, whether it be at Walmart or a specialty hiking mountaineering shop. And I've found that for me, a 10-liter pack is enough. But for most people, a 20 to 35-liter pack is sufficient. I've used Kelty 
packs in the past. And I prefer the older packs made by Guilty because the quality is worth the money. I've used Maxpedition packs for a very long time, and I love them. They can take a beating and say strong in some of the worst-case scenarios. And as an international private security contractor, I've abused my packs over the years. And I just recently purchased an Israeli pack for the first time. It was too small for the individual that I purchased it for. So he gave it back to me for my personal use. He prefers a 20 liter or a little bit over pack. Then I purchased the 10 liter pack. The brand of this pack is called Source, S-O-U-R-C-E. And so far I'm surprised at the quality of the pack. And I look forward to utilizing it and seeing what kind of torture I can put it through. If it meets or beats my expedition, I'll be highly impressed. And the price of the Source pack was only around $155. And for the price, these packs are worth it. So no matter where your pack is purchased, having a pack loaded and ready to go with much-needed survival items is a comfort. Well, it is to me. But why? Well, if Biden is sworn in to the White House, our economy will collapse. That is a given. Count on it. Did you serve in the military? Do you have family that served or are now serving in the military? The way that our nation is going with Creepy Joe, so eager and frothing at the mouth to be our next president, I'm comforted to know that my pack is ready in case I am in need of it during any given emergency. I did serve in the military. I have family and friends that served in the military. Many of us have. And we swore an oath. That oath does not stop because we have a DD-214 or a letter of honorable discharge. I've given my teenage years and my adult life into the fight against human trafficking. I've given up what most people would call a normal life. When I was once trafficked, and so began the fight so that I could help save the lives of trafficked women and children and help to catch the men and women that are of the same mindset of the likes of Creepy Joe, his son Hunter, and many more like them. Only to now have a poor excuse for a human being so close to being sworn into our White House that endorses human trafficking, child sex slavery, and more sick and demented human atrocities. Again, my oath did not stop when the military gave my DD-214. When did your oath stop? And what are you willing to do? Are you the guy sitting in your underwear 
pounding on your keyboard, vilifying other people because they do not believe the same way you do, scratching your beer belly, laughing at people and saying, oh, I'll pick up my firearm and I'll fight with you. I do not see you coming out of your mom's basement, out of your mom's basement. I do not see you coming and helping any of us. And what is sad, there are a whole lot of you out there. And then there are those who know what war is. There are those that knows what it feels like to take a human life. There are no, those that have seen, heard, witnessed, and felt the sting of what war is. And our lives will never be the same. And people, whether you believe it or not, does not change the facts. We are already at war. I'm going to say it one more time. My oath did not stop when the military gave me my DD-214. And so this ends the broadcast for me tonight. Thank you for joining me around the campfire. And remember, to prepare out of peace in mind, excuse me, let me say that again. Remember to prepare out of peace of mind and not out of fear. I learned this from Michael on YouTube's Asymmetrical Preparedness. So go on over and check him out. He has a lot of good information over there. Train hard, train smart to survive, thrive, and stay alive. This is Kate, signing off. Until next time. You say you love this country. You say you really care.